Hey everyone, we've got a new pitch website, pitchpodcast.fm. Comment on your favorite episodes, get all the latest news and discuss the podcast with us, pitchpodcast.fm. If you become a subscriber, you'll be able to access real pitches and ad-free episodes. Watch member-only live streams starring us, your hosts, and ask questions we'll answer in future pitch episodes. Join us at pitchpodcast.fm and help us bring you more great content. You can find and subscribe to the premium episodes of this podcast at pitch.supportingcast.fm. In this week's premium episode, you'll hear pitches from writing pair Jesse Felix and Stefan Perez. They have a pilot script entitled Diamond Hands. And from writer and artist Kosuke Sasaki, who has a graphic novel entitled Splinter World. Be sure to check that out. You're listening to The Pitch Podcast. I'm Angel. I'm Leah St. Marie. And welcome. We like to think that we are bringing storytellers and their stories to the world. That's the goal, at least. Are we succeeding in it, though? And that is a... That is a, what is the, what is the phrase I'm looking for? That's a Twitter conversation. <laughs> it is also a Twitter conversation. <laughs> I was thinking, is it a, uh, that is a foreshadow of what we're talking about today. Yes, I think so. Uh, today's topic is success and we're going to ask each other what that means. So it's, oh, it's kind of, it's objective. So oh, don't, par- don't participate too emotionally in the conversation. Just listen to how we No, are we want them participating we emotionally in the conversation. We want you to cry by the end of this podcast. I mean, if we were pulling the strings here. Angel says, it's like Mario Puzo, the godfather, the, the marionette. The marionette. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a position in jujitsu mm-hmm. called spider guard where you kind of feel like you're a marionette, but from below, it's really weird. Anyway, it's oh, scary. Yeah. So do you want me to ask you or do you want to ask me? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about success in general real mm-hmm. quick, right? So success is a broad term mm-hmm. and I think you have a pretty good grasp on how success isn't just one thing necessarily, but it no. is what then? I mean, it's a multitude of things. Yeah. Right? Highly individual. H- highly individual. Yes. Yeah. There's what society would term successful. So I think sometimes success means money, but not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes success can mean you move up the hierarchy of a system. Okay. Right? Keep going? Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I'm listening. Um, but I think for, for screenwriting, it can mean many different things during different points of your career. So we're beginning to mid, right? I had a movie, you're getting stuff made, you're doing the documentary, we've had funding for things, Um, producers are interested in our stuff. So when I started out being a screenwriter, my idea of success, do you wanna know? Oh, I thought we were gonna get there. Yeah, what what was your idea of success? My idea was sitting in a movie theater and seeing my name on screen. So you've done, you've done that. Your initial idea of success has been yeah. achieved. Yeah, but... Congratulations. Well done. Oh, thank you. Not many people succeed like that. No. Um, but I took this Summer Aspen words uh, with Benjamin Percy, which is this program that you take in Aspen, Colorado, and it does fiction, nonfiction, poetry. You can pick whichever one you want. And so I took the advanced fiction with Benjamin Percy, and he's talking about the latter, right? And so you're on this ladder and you're trying to make it to the top. And whatever success you're defining success as is at the top of that ladder. Okay. And when you get it, when you're sitting in a theater and you see your name on screen, 
you've made it to the top of the ladder. Where do you go from there? And he's mm, like, mm-hmm. there is always another ladder. Oh my God, this sounds dangerous. <laughs> There's a ladder on top of that ladder? Yeah, so every time you make it to the top of of your success ladder, there's just another ladder to, to make it to. And so you achieve your goal. Yes. And then what then? New goal. Oh God, this sounds, this sounds awful. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's good. good. Yes. Okay. So tell me how it's good. So I think, I think that there are different ideas on what success is and for, for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that sharing what those are or were or can be will help alleviate any pressure to our audience. They're like, I need to do A in order to feel like I, I am successful or that I'm a real screenwriter and that I don't have imposter syndrome. Mm. And oftentimes it's like the, the metric by which we measure success in the film industry is recognition from our peers and the ultimate recognition from our peers is the academy awards Mm, so so if you're not an academy award-winning screenwriter in some people's eyes yeah you were not successful yeah and that's like the most extreme that's got to be the most extreme right it's so it's so extreme and it's it's so daunting and you should not put that pressure on yourself no i don't i don't that would be insane if someone was like seven studio pictures in Mm -hmm. like living the high life Mm -hmm. millions of dollars Mm -hmm. like getting whatever they want made it hadn't won an academy award and was like i'm not a success they'd need therapy yeah they would need some serious in my opinion that would be so heartbreaking yeah so i i have two ideas and one of them was so one of my favorite authors is john irving and he wrote this book called uh the new hampshire hotel he has this character in it who is a writer and she writes in a library and all of the greats are on the shelf and she says it is a daunting task. It is a daunting task to write with the eyes of all of the greats looking down on her. Like, so if your idea is that you need recognition from William Goldman or, you know, he's passed away, but, but whoever it is that you think of is the greatest screenwriter and you need to get your script in front of them and you need validation from them. Mm-hmm. I think working underneath that load and in, in that caliber of success is is also daunting and you should not do that to yourself either. I shouldn't do that to myself. Like I, I can't write a screenplay just to get John Irving's approval. I got you. So for those of you listening who maybe consciously are aware of this or subconsciously are not aware of this, but have a suspicion that you're writing for like an impossible to satisfy mm-hmm. audience, yeah. like John Irving or all these greats, Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Unless it's inspiring you to do great work and then maybe keep doing it. I don't know. Like yeah. maybe maybe that's the inspiration some people need because people work differently. People do work differently. Um and I'm also thinking of and I just mentioned trauma films. If your idea of success is I just want to get it made. Mm-hmm. Then that's I think one of the easier forms of success like not that it's not difficult but get it made. Yeah. Just get it out there and get it made. And then the number one for me, and it, I hope this doesn't sound condescending, but actually just finishing a script. Because a lot of people, a lot of writers do not finish a script because it's so difficult a task. Like we were talking with Stephen earlier. Sure, yeah. Right? Just finishing something is successful. Okay, so then you're encouraging people to find 
ways to not let their ideas of what success is hurt them, slow them yeah. down, stop them, like yeah. find a way to have a functional and healthy definition of success so you can continue to be a happy person and write. Yeah. That makes sense. I think so. So how has your definition of success changed or evolved since you originally were like, I want to sit in a movie theater and see my name up on the screen, which happened last year. Yeah, which happened last year. Networking, I'm going to say, is the next ladder that I want to climb. And it's it's not this broad thing and it's not this superficial thing. For me, networking is this true connection with filmmakers whose vision I align with or who wants to put stories out into the world that are worthwhile and that they're they're passionate about it. Like connecting with Katrina and Mercedes is mm-hmm. a form of success for me. I'm like, I get to work with these queer and wonderful female filmmakers and we get to write the kind of stories that we want to write and they support my vision. Like that's a shiny jewel in my crown. So basically finding your tribe. Yeah. Finding people you resonate with whose work resonates with you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That is a version of success for you. That's a version of success. And and one would hope, and it doesn't always happen that that success also leads to you paying your bills. Uh, <laughs> one would hope. One would hope. It doesn't always. And you know what? That's a, that's okay sometimes because you're hopefully building towards whatever project you want to do next. And mm-hmm. that project will allow for the other thing to happen, will, will allow you to be able to pay your bills. So then finding your tribe is secondary to actually, as a writer, doing work to share with the tribe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then how do you define success for the act of writing and creating and bringing stories from your imagination onto a page and then sharing? How do you define, what are some metrics in there that you feel like I've succeeded here? I'm going to turn that question on to you. (laughs) No, no, not yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Why don't you lay it on us? What are, when you started writing, what was your idea? What did you want to do with that script? I have no idea. Second script. No idea. When did you become aware that you wanted to do something? At at what level? I I can't answer that. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like the, 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 process for me curiosity about the process of creating a story Mm -hmm. was the driving force and I think it still is I love that so I wrote a script called Hammond which I pitched in our first episode Mm -hmm. as an exercise I didn't write it for for really I wasn't like oh I want to get this made it was just an exercise for me yeah part of a universe I was building out um, it's, it's part of a, a kind of a large world that I've conceived. And I was like, let me just do this as an exercise. And then I shared it with somebody and they were like, this is great. Let me share it with somebody else. And it, it got a little bit of interest, right? I've talked about that. Mm-hmm. When I sat down to write the next thing, I realized there was a lot I should learn yeah, and some things that I needed to practice. So I learned those things and I practiced those things. And I said, well, let me write another script and see if I can't implement the things I've learned and flush out the practice that I have. I think that's its own ladder as well. Learning, being better, mastering something. Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
I think for me that isn't how I view it. Okay. I I just do the thing. I just literally just okay. What do I what 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 don't I understand? What are these screenwriting gurus saying? What are, what is what is John August saying? What is mm-hmm. Craig you know in mm-hmm. his grumpy like way sharing? What advice are they imparting? Are those in my stories? Was that in my last script? No. Okay. So what does that mean? Let me break it down. Let me like build it up and put it into the story, and then see what happens. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I, I, I can go on. I how, sh- go ahead. How do I build a good story based on these principles which I've discovered? Thank God that, that other people have shared them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, thank God there are screenwriting gurus and screenwriting books and people whose opinions on screenwriting and how to do it exist. Because if those things didn't exist, I don't know that I would have figured any of it out. Any of it out. And maybe I haven't figured any of it out, right? I, I don't know yet. The market has not deemed me having figured it out just yet. Yeah, I think but I'm that's, curious. I think that's also putting the onus on the market to view you as being successful as opposed to you finding in yourself that you are successful. And I know that you're questioning the ideas of what success is and and how it applies to you or doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm. But I also think that for me when I'm writing like when I wrote my first short story, it took me a year because I'd never done that form before. Mm-hmm. And when I finished my short story, I felt so satisfied with myself for having just finished it because it was a feat. Yeah. And I think finding success in that satisfaction is something that is skipped over a lot or I skip over a lot when I write something because I'm like you. I, I write a script. I finish the script. I'm like, next one. Oh, I'm not like that. You're not like that? <laughs> no, Wait, no, no, what no, do no, you no, do? No, no, no. I'm like, dear God, let me recover. <laughs> dear God, what did I just do? Why don't I, why don't I have anyone in my life anymore? <laughs> what happened? Why is writing so painful? Writing is painful. <sighs> that's, that's, that's what happens when I finish the script. I think... Again, going back to John Irving, he said something about you will never find something as judgmental as a blank page. Ah, this goes back to our conversation about writer's block, though. I don't that I don't have what those people have when it comes to writer's block and the blank page being intimidating. Mm -hmm. I just I just I mean, maybe I'll develop it. God forbid. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, it's coming around the corner. Oh, great. But I don't I don't I don't have that. I'm like, thank goodness. I want to I'm like, share... I'll go do something else. I'm not going to let a blank page, you know, intimidate me. Uh, Angel and I have been talking about what is the point of art lately. I think it's been at the precipice of our conversations mm, for mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. And you were talking about Picasso the other day. Yeah. What was the quote? Um, the purpose of art. And I may be bastardizing this quote and I'm attributing it. To, I'm attributing it to him, but it may not be a Picasso quote, but I think it is. I think at one point he said the purpose of art is to blow dust off of the soul. And that really struck a chord with me, whatever the thing is that Susan Roger. Oh, Susan in your Roger. pecunious? In my, yeah. Yeah. The, the region of your brain that lets you know when something resonates with you or you like it or you don't. There's yeah. a re- brain region. I really like yeah. that. And I was also thinking about you and I are in accord with this idea of loneliness, how palpable loneliness can be and how watching a movie doesn't necessarily cure it, but connects you because your art is a a pathway or a bridge that connects you with humanity. Mm, Yeah, it definitely does for me. Yeah. And I I think that's something that um, 
What's the author who wrote Slouching Towards Bethlehem? <laughs> no uh, idea. SAS newspaper. I'll, I'll remember her later. That's a great question. If you, um, if you know, leave a, leave a comment. If in you the, were, in the, Edna St. Vincent Millay. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, anyway, I was hanging out with my buddy Sean the other night, and he gets this text from a friend of his back east. He's from Pennsylvania. And, and his, his friend, who is currently a cold case investigator, homicide detective, who used to have aspirations to be an actor, sent him this text and it like, it leveled my soul in a very particular way and I want to share it and I got permission to share it. So he writes, um, Sean's buddy writes to Sean, Indy, as in Indiana Jones, Mm. Indy gives me strength. If ever called upon, it provides the compass, the direction. I acknowledge it as fiction, but through that art, but through that art form, we can find some truth something to say what would he do if it only gives me five minutes of courage and in that five minutes i have saved one life or changed one life then the art worked i hear in the music video what i could be this guy needs to get into poetry this is (laughs) what is he doing solving cold cases but but it brings me like all of these ideas of what success can be. Success can be money. Success mm-hmm. can be awards. Su- success can be networking or, or rising in power. But I think, I think this is the purest form of what success should be for artists, is finding that connection with our audience and having them feel this palpable way. Whatever, whatever emotion that is, if it's... If it's you need to cry, like Midsummer talks about grief and the theme of grief and how you mourn better with a community that mourns with you and understands with you, then that horror movie found that connection that is needed, right? Or if you need to laugh because you're in just a shitty mood and you watch Meet the Fockers, like how beautiful an art form is that? Thank you for sharing that, firstly. How does the writer of that movie ever get that feedback to be like, yes, I feel successful now, though? I don't know. I I really don't. Like, we have forums and we have Reddit and we have Twitter, but it's this, it's this pile of mush that you can't weed out, or unless you you're like searching for compliments, you know. So then I'll circle back to my original question, which you avoided. I did. Yes, very different. Did I do it well? No, you just said no. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm good at dodging. So then, how do you define success in your writing process? In the writing process, I think I'm so deep in theme and character and in action lines that I'm not. I'm not thinking of success in in any kind of term. I don't think, unless you can like throw another question like well if you've got a character that you've created and you've come up with a theme that you Mm. know is like binding your story right Mm -hmm. you know your genre you know the basic story like how do you know if you succeeded writing a scene based on those on those various elements how do you know you've created a successful antagonist like how do you know like this is the question like Uh what's your process for being like this sucks, a.k.a. I failed, or this succeeded, a.k.a. I did what I wanted to do. I set out to climb that ladder and I got the goal. Yeah, well, you and I talk about the math equation of art somewhat. Okay. 
time plus effort equals the thing getting done or success, right? This is your equation. I have a different equation. You have a different equation. Yeah. So I was taking this class, let's say, Mm -hmm. Uh, with my friend and mentor, Mito Taha. And Mito says that a scene should do no less than three of five things. And if I meet this caliber by which Mito uh, defines what makes a good scene, then I feel like that's what I've written. And you're about to ask me, what are those five things? No, I was going to say, okay, so you've got a framework as created by someone you respect. I do. That you that you compare your work to upon semi-completion. Yes. You say, okay, so Mito says I need to do these five things or these three things minimum and five is the optimal. Yeah. This scene does four of them. Great. Moving on. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Now I can have a biscuit. So many biscuits. Okay, so this is interesting. So you have a framework for that you've been provided that you like did i not tell you that i have these five things i mean you tell me you tell me so many things and then you say so many names to me like mito there's like this person there's john irving that's like i'm I, i'm an uneducated guy i don't know there any are books of this stuff everywhere in his apartment right I'm, now I'm, I, what are there are books everywhere in your apartment right now there are like there's like of some dvds by the way yeah dvds need to make a comeback i love dvds if people are removing like streaming like shows off of streaming services and stuff yeah. like where do you get your favorite shows? Yeah. Anybody want to buy me Parks and Rec? I want to watch it that six for times. I'm watching it again. Oh my goodness. But going, going back. Okay. So you have a, you have a framework by which you compare what you've written to what an expert in your opinion has said. This is yeah. how it should, this is how it should look basically. Or yeah. These are the things you need to do. Yeah. Okay, great. This is super helpful. You ready? You're going to tell me the things. I'm going to lay them on you. Oh, sure. Yeah. I wasn't even, I, I didn't even need them, but sure. People might be interested. Yeah, you know, they got the internet. They can look it up. Okay. Look it up. Call Mito. I'll give you his phone I don't even know. Who is this Mito character? Who is this person? He's a friend of mine. He's like the smartest guy I know. Um, (laughs) So, and and Mito teaches what? So Mito was teaching at, um, well, he he was teaching classes where I met him, but he's also done stuff at UCLA. What sort of writing teaching does he do? Screenwriting. Okay, great. Yeah. So this is someone who's in yeah. the field of screenwriting. In the field. He's done, he's gone through the Sundance thing. Okay. He speaks nine languages. He's a director. He's a screenwriter. Uber smart dude. Okay, great. So he says in order for a scene to work well, mm-hmm. it has to be doing three of five things. And the five things are, if I can remember all of them, speak to plot. Okay. Speak to character. Okay. Speak to character relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speak to theme. Mm-hmm. And it has to sound fucking cool. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, but sometimes. No surprises there. No surprises. Sometimes scenes are only doing one thing. And I think to have the necessary texture in which we are telling stories nowadays, it should be doing at least three of those five things. But let me ask you, because mm-hmm. you didn't really answer the question that you asked me. How that's do you know a scene is done? How do I know a scene is done? Yeah. Because I write the next slug line. <laughs> oh, what a cop out. Um, so somebody wants something in a scene. Usually two people, if there's two people in a scene, someone wants something in a scene. Mm-hmm. And it's done when they're, they either get it or it's clear to the audience that they're going to get it mm-hmm. based on the battle that they've just won. 
or that they're not going to get it and then they have a new problem or dilemma to solve. Yeah, there's no there's no point staying in a scene after that. Yeah. I mean that that uh, without having ever thought about it before like yeah, that's how yeah. I'd think about it. That's how I'd answer. How do you know a script is done? Cuz I write the end. <laughs> yeah. Like I I uh, we've I've talked about this. I conceive my endings mm-hmm. before I start, right? Like I I Same. I have to know. I have to know. Otherwise, what am I building towards? And maybe I'll get smarter. Maybe with more practice, I will grow away from that. I don't mm. know. I'm not holding my breath, but maybe I will. So I know how it ends. Yeah. Like, how do I know when I'm done with the first draft? Yeah. When like all my friends are gone and I'm alone and like <laughs> my cats are mad at me. And I like haven't shaved and I'm like super pale and like haven't exercised in months. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I know where the ending's going. So if I can successfully create everything that causes the ending I conceived to be powerful and cathartic and to wrap up the story that I wrote well, then I know like I have a cohesive piece. How do I know like my first draft is done is when I write that, when when I have all the pieces in there. There's Mm -hmm. no missing pieces from page one to, you know, the end. I'm going to throw something out there. Okay. When I write a first draft of something, mm-hmm. I am always short on pages. Yeah. I clock in a first draft at 70 pages. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. What do you, how do you clock f- in at? How do you feel about that? Um, our first draft processes are different. Yes, they are. You will write a script in a week. Yeah. I will meticulously plan a script for a long time. Mm. And so I'm generally a little long. I'm generally a little long. Yeah. 120, 125. Keep going. I think Red Lighters was 127. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was 130. Maybe it was 130. No, it was it was under 130. I, I was like, I'm not going to give anybody something more than that. I think it was like 126 or something like that. Yeah. With the title page, right? Yeah. Um, but in part, that's because I was, I'm planning on directing that. And it's a blueprint. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to forget anything. You know, oftentimes they say keep a pad of paper or like your notepad by your bed. Mm-hmm. So when you have ideas in the middle of the night or as you're falling asleep, you don't forget them. Because you're if you if you think, oh, inevitably, I'm going to remember these in the morning, I always forget. And they're always like the best ideas ever, right? I would have won Academy Awards by now if I made <laughs> stuff based on those ideas. So for me, when I'm writing, a ton of ideas come to me. I'm like, I'm going to be a little long in this. And that's okay because this is this last script was a document for me for future Angel to direct this so I didn't forget any of the nuance and any of the specificity I wanted in these moments. Right. So for that I was a little long. Yeah. Um Hammond, I was I was I was I'm pretty I'm pretty money. I mean, the one I wrote in December for for the producer, it was on the money. Yeah. It was 100, 120. Well what's and the reason I mentioned that is there is such strict policy when you're submitting to competitions, which is another form of success that people think and, and sometimes does work. This is a step winning the nickels is a step yeah. towards getting the other thing that I actually want. Sure. Yeah. That they have this, this metric of it has to be between 70, I think is the lowest for the mm-hmm. nickels, but can't be over 120. Mm-hmm. Right. But when we did In the Light of the Moon, which is the thing that I wrote and directed, that script was short. The script was less than 80, more than 70. Mm -hmm. The movie, two hours long. We had to cut stuff. 
because we Terrence Malick the shit out of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was there was some extenuating circumstances for production that required some. Yeah, that's a sep- yeah, that's a separate thing. That's some, a separate some thing. Zhuzhing. That's like a filmmaking thing. But when you know you're going to direct it, like you know you're going to direct Red Lighters, like I knew mm-hmm. I was going to direct In the Light of the Moon, the page count is arbitrary. So if you're putting extra pressure on yourself that it has to fit into something, why? Well, because we're told it has to fit and you're, you're inevitably beholden to some other people. You're not like going to go out and shoot a movie by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's just not going to happen. Maybe it's happened in the history of cinema, but someone's got to be in front of the camera and someone's got to be behind it. Someone's got to hold the boom. And even if you're (laughs) doing documentary style where you got a camera with a microphone mounted on it, yeah, like someone's got to be in for, you know, your photograph, something, something's in front of that camera. I, and I agree with you because Allen Ginsberg, the famous beatnik poet, taught classes at, I think he taught classes at NYU, and beat poetry was all about free form, free verse. Mm -hmm. And all of these students showed up to his class just wanting to do free verse, because it's 1950s, 1960s, you know, it's just after the war, you're looking for freedom of expression. He's like, no, you need to know the form first in order to break it. So I I do agree with you that you, you need to know what are the specificities by which a script should be in order to be accepted because we're looking at gatekeepers in the industry. Like mm-hmm. readers will read a couple of pages and look for any reason to dismiss the script because they can't green light a script. They can't green light every, everything. So any reason to not green light something makes their job easier. Right. And page count is one of those things. Just a little, little quick side interjection. Like what are the qualifi- what qualifications to become a reader? Like, what are the qualifications <laughs> to become know. a reader? I saw an ad to become a reader and mm-hmm. they were trumpeting that you need no qualifications. <laughs> They're like, don't worry. You don't need to know anything about it. You I, don't need to know anything about screen. You don't need to have written something before. You don't need to have read a script before. Yeah, you, like yeah. zero. And I was like, I can see how this could create like a, a, some good feedback based on no preconceived ideas of what a screenplay needs to be, but well, also how it might be a little problematic in some instances. It is interesting because I'm sure that they're given a list of things to measure um, because yeah. you see those forms on theme plot character, page length, yeah. theme, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting notes back from the Austin Film Festival years ago when I submitted and they told me to not direct on the page, which we're both advocates and fans of script notes. And they talk a lot about what's your script. You can direct on the page if you want to. And so uh, it's these these like general rules and missives mm-hmm. thrown about. They're confusing for screenwriters early in their career. Yes. But you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. Right. Basically, like I complained on Twitter at the Austin Film Festival. Oh no, did you really? And I, yeah, you know, I, I like to complain. And I tagged Craig Mason in my complaints because sure. they talk all the time. And so Craig Mason went to bat for me. He's like, yeah, you're allowed to direct on the page. That shouldn't be a reason for you to reject anyone's script from a competition. No way. This and, actually happened? Yeah, and the Austin Film Festival tweeted back at me and Craig and was like, you're absolutely right. That will no longer be... Uh, or should not have been a caliber by which this reader rejected your material. Wow. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. But 
to your question, like who is reading these things? I think these competitions, because there are so many competitions for screenwriters, the reason that the ones that we say are the ones that you should submit to, like the Nichols, like Austin Film Festival, and at least for me, ScreenCraft, because I had success with with ScreenCraft and getting my thing into Shutter. I know that the Nichols, after you make it past the first round of readers, I don't know who those first round of readers are. It goes into industry people. Yeah, the, I, I, that's. I, I mean, I don't. I don't have a lot more to say about. <laughs> I, and look, I know there are some very seasoned, excellent, intelligent people mm. reading because, you know, we had John Zalzerni on and he talked about he he read for a long time. And that's yeah. a highly capable, experienced yeah. writer, you know, filmmaker. This guy's as smart as they come. And mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Yeah, this, this guy clearly knows how to read a script. Um uh, Yeah, I have I have like all sorts of like thoughts and feelings about it. Like, don't direct on the page. It's, it's, it, it, for me, what I, where I was going to go earlier was, yeah, there are all these like rules, right? I think it's important to kind of figure out why these rules exist. What is the why, right? Why does it, why do they say don't direct on the page? Why does that exist? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. Um, other than like the director is going to dismiss what you're saying on the page. But I mean, if, if you're. If you're writing in a way, you have to know how the thing's going to cut together. I think it, mm-hmm. it just maybe maybe I don't think enough like just a writer. Maybe I am constantly like imagining things as a director as well. But I I, I think it it's helpful because mm-hmm. your writing can become more economical and be informed. You know, if you're thinking yeah. like an editor, like well, when you're, you're writing, like exactly. If you're thinking like an editor, or you're thinking like a director. Like your transitions are going to be tighter. What you focus on in the action lines will be present, and they'll make it into an insert. Yeah, but the the thing I was going for is why does this rule exist generally? Like what do you what is behind mm-hmm. the rule? And then how do you break it or how do you follow it? Like if you're directing on the page like the camera does, you know, a 30 degree tilt up and then pans like if you're being it's like how do you execute on a thing? Mm-hmm. How do you direct on the page? well mm-hmm. and how do you direct on the page so it bumps a reader and they're like don't direct on the page that's my big question for for everybody really like how do you how do you take the 183 general rules about screenwriting don't write big chunks of like description on the first page don't, don't be paul big... schrader <laughs> but like how do you take all these things that people are like don't do this and then there are clear examples that exist that yeah. break that rule so many examples break the rule how do you then do what you're going to do and how do you break the rule and not get rejected for breaking that rule? And why does the rule exist? Like that's that's a special like kind of matrix that I think about in writing because I'm like, well, if I'm going to direct this, then I can like do some stuff in here. But also if someone's going to read this, like how do I not get overly directorial on the page? Well, so that's, Yeah, that's something that you've mentioned before with Red Lighter specifically is if you're submitting your script to a competition and it's going to go through the reader process mm-hmm. that is a different version of the script 100 than what you wrote for yourself as a director yeah and it's and and having written one version for myself and then subsequently made the mistake of submitting it to contests yeah. and getting i mean it's it's gotten it's gotten good good feedback it's yeah uh, but it's like well i don't need the feedback hey this is like a little dense it's like no yeah i i, I know 
And like, I, I ultimately didn't write this for readers, like, which mm-hmm. is maybe a mistake on my part. I'm like, I'm going to show this to seven people and get it made, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> which, you know, is maybe a little naive at, at the time. But, uh, but I've also have readers come back and are like, this is, mm-hmm. this is fantastic. This is amazing. And there's nothing about the, the, the other issues that readers have lightly, lightly pointed out. I sometimes have a version of a script where it's specifically to be enjoyed by a reader. Mm-hmm. It's visual on the page mm-hmm. and, and not like imaginary visual, but actually physically visual. Mm-hmm. Um, that I know when it goes into production, I won't need to have that. I'm just doing it for the reader's enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because, because bringing it back, I want that script to be successful in a very particular way. So you're tailoring the product, a script in this case, yes. for the success that you want for a reader to have a good experience. Yes. Yeah. So that that that's that, that brings up a curious thing. Like, I have read scripts before that are very enjoyable to read. For instance? Uh, no, I'm not going to name them because okay. where I'm going with this is is that and then you watch the movie, you're like, oh, they, they botched this. <laughs> or there's like a missing element in it mm-hmm. or like... You know, there's there's a there's a translation process that goes on between yeah. what a writer or a pair of writers sat down and worked on for months and then turned out on a page, and then what 183 other people have to go and create moving images and sound, yeah, f- based on that, right? Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. It's just it's just a weird phenomenon to. You were you going to talk about rule breaking a little bit? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't and. Know and I, it wasn't Edna St. Vincent Millay. It was Joan Didion. I'm a, I'm a fool. Didn't she like lead a, an army to revolution? Wasn't she like fighting in a holy war or something? Joan Didion? Yeah. She was like a young woman who like shaved her head and went into battle. Uh... I'm thinking of Joan of, Dar- Joan of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to edit that part out. Different, different Joan. Different Joan. That's my grandmother's name on different my mom's Jones. side. Oh, the one who has a birthday? Yeah, on Tuesday. Cool. Happy birthday to Joan. Happy birthday, Joan. Um, so what's your, what's your, what's your next project, Teatro? What is your idea of success for that? I, I know exactly my answer. I'm waiting to hear it. I have two, I have two, I have, I have two avenues to success for this. The first avenue is a, is very broad. I want to have people in America recognize Marcello Mastriani. I, and, and a B part to that is I want, I want Italians to enjoy my movie. (laughs) I want Italians to enjoy my movie. But the second part is I want to finally have written and directed something that my mom can watch because she doesn't like horror movies. Oh no, she can't watch the Spoonful of Sugar. She she can't and she won't. Yeah. And so I support her on we, that. Yeah, we often have conversations where she's like, oh, is this one that I can watch this time? And I have to say, no, it's not. I like that. Those are those are good um, metrics for. Well, I mean, I guess the first one is kind of hard. Like, how do you know that Americans recognize Marcello? I don't. I don't know. I know because it's a broad thing, but it's just it's a broad thing. I don't. I don't know. But I just. I feel. It's like porn. You'll know it if you see it. You can't define it beforehand, right? Didn't the Supreme Court say that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, Yeah, they did. I just Marcello is such. 
he's such an iconic figure in in film in film history that it breaks my heart that people don't know him why though why don't they know him or why, why does, does it break, break your heart, heart? He's like just, everybody's just out there living perfectly average lives why does it break your heart that they don't know Marcello? he's just such a powerful and fun and funny and charismatic and honest force on screen mm-hmm. and he didn't do that many american films which i have a there was a reason, kind of a reason for that. He had it in his contract that if he did a film in America, every Tuesday they'd have to fly his barber in from Italy to give him a haircut. And a lot of productions couldn't afford to do that. Uh, I, that's just a little funny. That's I don't know how, you know, how honest that is. That's how you is. know you're successful as an actor. But he was so pro. When they fly so your prolific. barber in. <laughs> he was so prolific and he was just... I don't know. You, I watch him on screen and I just, I fall in love with his performances. Mm. And you want people to fall in love too. Who doesn't want other people to fall in love? I don't. With the things I'm in love with, it's a, it's a naive and foolish endeavor. I found. What things are you in love with? Uh, like Oscar Peterson and Phineas Newborn Jr. And yeah. Like, and I'm just like, oh, they just, people just don't get it. Like I get it. But you're introducing with your podcast that you have people to to music. Yeah. I, it, you know, the disappointment with people not feeling the way I feel and not responding the way I feel, I'm still like recovering from that. When something hits me so powerfully, like things hit us all, mm-hmm. and then the enthusiasm for those things, you share that enthusiasm, and then you see the lack of understanding or disappointment on people's faces... I, 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 that, 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 that hurts me personally. That's every time I pitch you one of my ideas, that's your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just got to keep trying, you know, I just know. don't give up. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm, it's, it's a curious thing. It's like we discover things that we covet and we love and then mm-hmm. we want to share them. Yeah. But certain things resonate with so few people that at what point is it just heartbreaking to then have people not respond the way you want them to respond? Yeah. And maybe that's the like grump in me. <laughs> and maybe that's where my like my hope died long ago. I'm just like, mm. yeah, I, like I, I am just going to like rock with what I like. Well, let me ask you this because you asked me about my Italian film. Mm-hmm. And forgive me if you do not have an answer or can't articulate it, but... Your film, Red Lighters, that we're trying to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. What is success for that for you? Um, it's just it's just doing it. Like, if I can do it like I am conceiving it and like I have planned it, mm-hmm. the doing will be the success. I think that. And then whatever else is a byproduct. The pr- the process is the success. I think those are magic words for for people to think of their writing. To just do it. There's a there's a book that I was asked to read for a course. Oh man, and it's, it's I'm drawing a blank on the book, but um, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And the basic gist of the book was the process has to be the reward. Like Sarah Gamble talks about this. Sarah mm-hmm. Gamble is the showrunner and writer of You, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite TV shows. She's also a really fantastic poet. And she's just nice online. And she's great online. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of her. And her office is, uh, it used to be just up the street from me. But she answers questions online all the time. And one of the questions, one of the answers she has is she's like, I just love writing. Mm-hmm. I just love writing, right? So if you love a thing, then the process isn't a painful one. 
you're more likely to have like byproduct success that other people can acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Like this is a person who just likes to write. So her getting to do that is, I think, the first and most important step of succeeding. Okay. Which I, which I have adopted. I'm like, you know what? It just has to be the thing day to day. I sit down. I open up the document. I work on it. Period. What happens three months later? I don't know. <laughs> Follow-up question. How do you celebrate that success? I don't. I know you don't. I don't celebrate the success. Why? Because the celebration isn't success. Hmm? Celebration is something else. Yeah. The success is the success. So... Like if, if, if Red Lighters get, gets made and like wins can or something insane, mm -hmm. then I'll probably celebrate that event. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't, celebration isn't part of my process. So I don't have an answer for that other than I don't celebrate. Okay. I just do the thing. And the thing has to be the reward. The thing has to be the celebration for me. Yeah. Like I'm finding for whatever reason, the way I'm built it, that has to be it. I can't be doing it for money. I can't be doing it to like, mm -hmm. you know, party with my friends. Mm -hmm. I just have to be able to do the thing. And that's, that's it. I think that's, that's the bottom line of what success is for me. Mm -hmm. I wrote something good that I'm proud of. How do you, how do you then celebrate? Cause you do celebrate. I do celebrate and. Which is probably healthier than mine. It's so much healthier. <laughs> So back when I would sell a script, I would take some of that money mm -hmm. and I would go and have a nice dinner at Little Dom's in Los Feliz. Mm. And sometimes Sean would be with me. Oftentimes Sean was with me because yeah. he lives nearby. He was like a block away. <laughs> yeah, he could walk. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, I go for the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people bring playing cards and they sit. It's like very European sometimes if you go later in the day. Yeah, that's what I would do to celebrate. Would you ever go to Little Dom's, meet Sean and bring playing cards if you weren't celebrating? No, because we didn't have any money from me having sold a script. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, cheers from Hollywood. Yeah, cheers from Hollywood. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And that concludes our chat about success and how that looks to us as writers and creatives. I know Leah had a good time with it, and I survived. We want to thank you for listening and encourage you to check out our next episode where we'll be talking about something really cool or interviewing someone really fun. If you're on the fence about subscribing, know that a portion of all subscription fees go toward the nonprofit Young Storytellers, raising voices one story at a time. <laughs>